From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. So, hey, how about that Super Bowl? Oh, uh, what <laughs> Super Bowl? I was. Did anything important happen last week? Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I'm impressed that in honor of the Adam Levine and Maroon 5's halftime show, that you're you're doing the show shirtless today. Oh, I, absolutely. But that's only because uh, <laughs> it's no longer cold in Florida. So uh, now that we're back up in the upper 70s and low 80s, I've uh, my office is now heated up to like ninety five degrees, so oh it's not goodness. it's not just because of uh, it's not just because of the show. It's also uh, it's a necessity. It's a necessity right now. <laughs> so uh, it's it's not a sight anyone wants to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well, did you catch any? You know, last week we speculated on what Disney commercials are going to show, and we got one yeah. right. <laughs> and that was yeah. the Avengers um, Endgame. Exactly, yes. And then the other one was uh, Toy Story 4, which they teased very early on in the game. It was like one of the... Uh, well, they, they, even before that, they made it known that it was going to be shown. And then before the game started, during one of the the Super Bowls brought to you by, they said Toy Story 4. yeah. And, then and we, I thought, did I miss the commercial? <laughs> yeah. And, well, and for spoiler for those of you out there who didn't watch live, you then had to wait until the very, very, very end of the game in order to see the Toy Story 4 commercial, which, yeah, the, like, I'm not, sorry, I'm go not ahead. I'm not sure how many people did that. <laughs> I, 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 that's honestly the only reason why I stuck it out. I mm-hmm. Because I had no stake in this at all. I, I could have cared less in the fact that it was such an awful game. It just did not help at all. And then I... So I'm I'm putting up with it. And then... Uh, and then to be disappointed... I, I don't know where I made it up in my head where I thought that they played actual longer trailers. If not, like, during the commercial break, then, like, saying, like, okay, it's a 30-second spot, and now the real... The real like two minute spot you can go and find online, like I mm-hmm. thought that's what happened a lot last yeah. last year around, and that was definitely a uh, that did not happen this year with Avengers or with Toy Story Four. So pretty disappointing overall for me. Yeah, and then they also had the Captain Marvel um, commercial as well. So and. Um, Oh, I I don't yeah. know that much about Cap Captain Marvel, but it looks like it's that film's connected to Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, and that's what a lot of 
I don't know if you saw it, but a lot of sleuthy people were kind of uh, were kind of looking at the trailer and noticed that there was at least two moments where there appeared to be an an Avenger edited out of of the shots that they were showing. Uh, there seemed to be like an yeah. actual gap, and even though no one is stupid who watches these movies everyone is pretty much betting that it's like okay well they want to keep captain marvel a surprise for endgame until after her movie's out even though it's pretty apparent unless it's like a complete other surprise that someone that we thought was was dead and gone is all of a sudden part of the avengers and that's why they wanted to keep the secret uh but then even i read somewhere else where they said apparently the the Super Bowl spot for the Avengers last time around, nothing really made it into the final movie that was shown <laughs> in. But Captain Marvel, see, that's I, I completely forgot about it, and that shows how excited I am for this movie. I'm just not. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. It's just I, something about it. It's not. It's not clicking with me. I. And it has nothing to do with the character or the story. I just, I think it's, I don't know if I care for the, I don't know if I care for the the blend of human and alien. I think it's also part of why I dislike the first Captain America movie so much. Because of how goofy it kind of gets in the second half of it with with Red Skull. It's, I'm I'm very particular about it. Like I, I can take something like Guardians of the Galaxy because that that feels like a space movie and you expect weird stuff with the goofy humor, but something something about the style of Captain Marvel just isn't really calling to me. But mm. I'll still see it opening yeah. weekend. <laughs> I'll see it. I'm sort of look. I'm looking forward to seeing a superhero film where I really don't know the superhero at all. Yeah, you know the comic books sort of came after my time. So I don't, I don't know them. I know Avengers Endgame. There's something up with Captain America's shield, because there's at least three references to that shield, you know, yeah. being held by different superheroes. So, uh, so I'm interested in seeing what the connection is there. Yeah, no, lots of uh, lots of stuff to think about with those commercials. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Toy Story film, four film. I, I don't know if that trailer has anything to do with the film, but um, it was it was amazing. But um, yeah. you, did you hear Peta? You know Peta's complaint about Toy Story four. No, I, I saw um, that they had a problem with Bo Peep, but I didn't actually read it. Yeah, yeah they don't like. Uh, they want they want her shepherd's crook removed. Because it's, you know, cruel to animals. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just have no words for that. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you know the other controversy over Mary Poppins then. That I was speechless no. about. Okay, you got to share that too now. I didn't see that. Okay, one. someone, some academic, I think it was in a New York Post, has said that the original Mary Poppins, well, and also the, the return of... It, they're racist, um, be, especially in the first one, because Mary Poppins um, dons blackface in the chimchimmery scene. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, of course, it's soot. 
Yeah. But the fact that when she takes out her, um, you know, her pocket, you know, pocket mirror and she dabs her face with face powder, well, soot has gotten into it. So it makes her face. And I thought, seriously, I mean, are you trying to show how enlightened you are more than the rest of us or what? I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that's unfortunate. But I doubt that it was what they were going for, unless it was no, what they were going for. No, it wasn't <laughs> at all. I think it was just a funny joke. Yeah. I, and it wasn't, it was, they were in ch- dirty chimneys. Yeah. But anyway. I'm, I'm assuming I, that's what it I is, think, too. I think people are forgetting how to laugh. <laughs> I really do. They're taking things much too seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, there's always going to be people out there who, you know, just can't handle stuff that other people can. So, uh, in other happy news, did you watch Pearl yet? No, I've not. The uh, the latest the the new Pixar Spark Shorts. No, I saw it um, today on social media, but I didn't have time to watch it yet. Okay, well, we will. That will be what we're talking about next week, then, I guess. Oh, okay, so, good. Looking I'm not going to spoil any of it. I, I'm very interested in hearing uh, in hearing your response for it because it's definitely, um, you know, it's 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 a, it's definitely an animated film made for adults. So. Really? Yeah, with, oh, that's so. That's why it's not attached before a film. Because I thought, how odd they're releasing a film, a short that has nothing to do with a, you know, that's not a, you know, before one of their regular yeah. feature films. Yeah. No. This hmm. it's. Oh, I'm looking forward to yes, that. Yes, I, I can't wait for you to watch it. And just like the, the, again, we'll talk about it next week. But just like the fact um, that they chose had to blend two different animation styles in it to to help tell the story like it's there's a lot there's a lot happening in it a lot of good so um i'm very excited for you to watch it oh good okay so oh i i will do that we'll talk about it next week so um we have a correction the last week's uh statement I made about Ron Miller and the LA Rams. Um, listener Mike told me there were two Ron Millers that played for the Rams. So, and they each played different positions. And uh, apparently the website I went to did not <laughs> when I wrote Ron Miller, Disney, Rams and all that, apparently this site also got them a little confused. The Ron that married wow. Diane played tight end um, for them in 1956. There was another Ron Miller that played quarterback for them in 1962. So, um, <laughs> Mike wrote, the quarterback was not related to the Disneys other than through Adam and Eve. So, anyway, so, um, and I, I, I'm really not into football, so I'm, you know, I'm sure he's correct. So, anyway, so thank you very much, Mike, for um, sending that correction. Yeah. We're not perfect. So anyway, no, no. But we appreciate that, that folks take the time yep. to send that information along. So. 
All right. Well, this year, as we mentioned previously, the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco is celebrating 10 happy years of sharing Walt Disney's story and legacy. And as part of the celebration, the museum is holding events focusing on a different gallery each month. And, you know, and the museum galleries progress chronologically through Walt's life. And so that's what the museum events are going to be doing each month throughout the year is progressing chronologically through Walt's life. So on February 2nd, I attended a talk by Becky Klein, director of the Walt Disney Archives, about the Disney family's life in Chicago. And Becky was accompanied by Brett Young and Dina Benedin, and they're owners of Walt Disney's birthplace, which is the home on Trip Avenue in Chicago that was constructed by Elias and Flora Disney, where Roy, Walt, and Ruth were born in an upstairs bedroom to talk about the restoration efforts. And since this relates to Disney history, I thought it would be fun to, to talk about it on um, on this episode of Connecting with Walt. Yeah. Hopefully I can read my notes <laughs> that, I, that I took here. And a lot of this uh, is going to be sort of the uh, abbreviated version of episodes, previous episodes both on uh, the Disneyland edition, um, you know, podcast that I was on a few years back, and and also on you know episodes of Connecting with Walt. But it's it's fun to sort of revisit those, um, revisit that information. What was cool is that since Becky Klein, of course, is from the archives, even though some of this information might have been familiar, she was showing uh, photos that I had not seen before. In some instances, so I thought this was cool. Yeah, that, I mean, so. and that's kind of what we said about after uh, said about her after Destination D. While while sometimes in her presentations, uh, she will pick out stuff that we've seen in in love. Every now and then, uh, you really hit the jackpot with a, a Becky Klein presentation where she will just pull this stuff that you have absolutely never seen before and. And you just kind of sit there in awe and take it mm-hmm. in that that you're lucky enough to be the person in the room that actually gets to to see it. And uh, so, yeah, when when you told me that you were you were doing that, where you were going to the museum and getting to hear a hear a Becky Klein presentation, I was I was jealous. But I get yeah. to hear about it now I, with everyone else. <laughs> you do, you do. You have to make a trip out here. Just. To the museum one day, one day. <laughs> as I keep, as I keep telling you. <laughs> um, anyway, well, as uh, oh, the, what was interesting is Becky has been working with the Walt Disney Family Museum um, since 2007, but uh, this was her first presentation at the museum. So, uh, as we all know, uh, Walt was born in Chicago in 1901 in, in what's known as the Hermosa area of Chicago. Now. In 1893, Elias's brother Robert, and we we know Uncle Robert from um, later on in Walt and Roy's life. You know, Uncle Robert's garage, where where Walt had his little studio going when he moved out to California for a while. Um, Robert moved to Chicago to build a hotel for the World's Columbian Exposition that was held in 1893. And of course, that was to celebrate the centennial of Columbus, um, what they believed at the time that he had discovered America. I I guess (laughs) they didn't know there were already people here. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, but that's another story for another uh, podcast. (laughs) 
Anyway, but he wrote Elias to um, move to Chicago. Now, Elias and Flora were living in Florida at the time. And they already had one boy, um, Herbert, and one boy was on the way, Raymond. So they, Elias always, he had no problems, you know, moving the family for new opportunities that would allow him to care for his family. So they moved to Florida and they, and they moved to 3515 South Vernon Street. And that was in 1890. And they lived near the exposition, not terribly far away. Although this was like the vast plains of Chicago. Becky showed a map of Chicago. It was quite small then. And where they lived, it was literally the plains. And so, um, anyway. And the, the exposition was called the White City. And Elias worked there on... Uh, on the exposition from 1891 to 1892. And although there are a couple of buildings in Chicago, if you ever visit there, that remain from the, the exposition, uh, the building that was called the Palace of Fine Arts is now the Museum of Science and Industry. So that's still there. And the World's Congress Auxiliary Building is now the Art Institute of Chicago. Hmm. But even though Elias perhaps could have worked on those buildings, well, th- we really don't know. I mean, nobody knows what actually he did work on. But he had a job as uh, doing construction. Yeah, and if, there. Uh, a, a great book to either... Uh, I, I would recommend reading it versus listening to it if you're, if you're an audiobook fiend, uh, Devil in the White City, which is yes. all about that. <laughs> I, I chose to listen to it. And I feel like that was a mistake because it's it was essentially like listening to a history lesson, not mm-hmm. not uh, like I, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing because that's kind of what we do here uh, with with a little bit of wit and charm in between at least. But uh, it didn't it didn't sit well as just a straight audio book. At least the the narrator that I listened to. It was very, very dry and very boring, but uh, it really goes into the details of how much of of a mess this this exposition was all over. And, and they've got a couple Disney references in there for you too. And um, but it's it's really like I said, I'm sure reading it is a million times better than listening. But it it really gives you an idea of what the world was like at the time. Like, I didn't know that Chicago was was in the state that, like you said, uh, in regards to the maps and stuff. So it's it doesn't fully uh, show every little bit that was happening in there. But it, it's a nice uh, little extra context to, to kind of see where Chicago was at in that time period. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Midway Plaisance had the first Ferris wheel um, that was made by uh, Mr. Ferris there at the exposition. Yeah. And it was six blocks from where the Disneys lived. But, you know, according to this map, I mean, it looked like, you know, to get there, you know, they were passing grizzly bears and cougars and all this stuff. I mean, that's how much out in the wilds it looked <laughs> like. So, um, anyway, well, 
On November 23, 1892, uh, Elias uh, bought land at what was then 1249 Trip Avenue. This address changes when uh, the street sort of got, everything got renumbered. So don't go to 1249 Trip Avenue today, folks, because um, you're not going to find much there. Uh, anyway, this was a very desirable area for working class families in northwestern um, Chicago. So Elias got a permit for $800 to build a two-story house. And, and Elias served as the contractor for the house. And as we know, uh, Flora was basically the architect. She was a designer. And what was very cool is that the Walt Disney birthplace um, gave out small, you know, eight and a half by 11 kind of um, reproductions of the plans, you know, that they, I should say recreations of the plans, sort of showing the elevation, showing the rooms, including where they believed um, based on descriptions from the family, like where, uh, you know, where Walt and Roy's bedroom was and Elias and Flora's and Raymond and Herbert's and all that. So, um, so it's really neat. So anyway, so um, it was a nice little uh, memento. Um, from from that, and you can see where all the rooms were and all that. And there's there's one room I I was particularly intrigued by that I'll get into in a moment. So, so so they moved into the house, and in 1893 they moved into the house. And Roy was born in the house, second floor, um, back bedroom, and it's the same bedroom that. Walt would be born in and that Ruth would be born in. Now, Elias became a contractor in 1900 and he built other houses with Florida with, with I'm sorry, with Flora as the designer. And this is what, what they did. And it was believed that, uh, well, I'll get into it a little later, but um, it was believed that this, they did Elias and Flora designed this as a showpiece their house because their house is a bit more ornate than you would expect for a, a farmhouse in a working class family because uh, they would so that they could show it off to prospective customers that that they would contract for that these are all the things you can choose to have in your homes so uh, so it was interesting so three of the houses and I didn't know this until this talk three of the houses um, that Elias and Flora built are just half a block away from the house that Walt was built in oh. they're just on the same block yeah So and this becomes important in the restoration of the birthplace hmm. so um, so so uh, Elias was very religious, uh, you know. Both Elias and Flora were, so they became members of the Congregational Church. It they it, it got outgrown, so it moved and it became St. Paul's Congregational Church. Of course, everybody in the congregation had to chip in to help build. So Elias served as a carpenter and furniture maker for the on this project, and it was dedicated in October 1900. And Elias was a trustee, and he would also serve as a lay pastor. And Walt later commented how the, uh, the sort of the the frock coat that uh, the black frock coat that that um, Elias would wear when he preached, uh, Walt later wore when he when he performed as Charlie Chaplin in films, or when he huh. you know performed as uh, Abraham Lincoln yeah. in school later on. It was the same coat. Huh. So anyway, yeah. 
So anyway, so like I said, you know, Walt was born on the second floor of the Chip Avenue home on, you know, December 5th, 1901. Uh, Ruth was born in the very same place. Oh, the other interesting thing is, is that the, the pastor of the Congregational Church was um, Walter Parr. And they, they, they were both expecting babies at the same time. So they made an agreement that if they both had boys, they would name Elias and, and Walter would name their babies after each other. So, so Walt was named, you know, Walter after the pastor. And Walt said in this, you know, in his later days, yeah, he got the better end of the deal because somewhere out there, there's an, an Elias par. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Yeah. 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 So anyway, and I believe they said the name uh, St. Paul's is still there, but it's under another name. And she, she quickly rattled off the name. I think it's Bethany Baptist Church. I'm not sure if I got that right. But um, it's, uh, it also goes under, I believe, a Spanish name. So, also in the area is the Schwinn Bicycle Company, and that was there from 1895 to 1892, and the building is still there. But what would happen is, is children would play. Um, you know, they would the company would get rid of the wheel hoops. They would just discard them. So the boys would go and grab, and I'm sure the girls did too. They'd grab the wheel hoops. You know how they'd run down the street with a stick, rolling them. If that that was so. a real thing. Yeah, that was a real thing. They had photos. <laughs> so, yeah. I yeah, always they assumed they just made so. those up. And, and it said yeah. this is the games that they played back in the old days. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the William Nixon um, Elementary School. They believed Roy Disney went there in 1904 to 1905. However, the school claims Walt Disney was a student there in like second or third grade. But Becky Klein said Walt would only have been about four years old when the family moved to Missouri. So they're pretty sure it was Roy that went there, not Walt. Mm -hmm. So anyway... So, um, oh, the other interesting thing is um, Northwest Town was the name of the neighborhood where, you know, the Disneys lived. Trip Avenue was only one of two paved roads in that neighborhood. And it it was no, it was a Sam Brown um, subdivision in Northwest Town. And the other paved road was Keeler Avenue. So the people that were getting the horseless carriages in that neighborhood, they could only drive on two roads. (laughs) Anyway. And then, and then, as folks probably know, due to the, the saloon protests, the public intoxication, you know, crime was increasing. And then, when two boys who were friends of Herbert and and Raymond um, tried to rob the car barn, and then they got into a shootout with police officer killing police officer, so and and they were jailed. Um, Elias and Flora decided this was it. And so they moved their family to um, Marceline, Missouri, and then, uh, you know, for a simpler life, and then later um, Kansas City, you know, until 1917. So the Chicago story ends until 1917. And then they um, move back to Chicago, and Elias becomes a stockholder of the Ozell um, company. They, they make um, drinks, you know, uh, soft drinks, you know, mm-hmm. pop. Yeah. I guess they call it back there. We call it soda out here. Uh, I call and, it pop. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. My, my relatives in the Midwest and the South call it pop. 
Watson. And uh, anyway, so then they moved to um, 1523 West Ogden Avenue. But this is now, I didn't realize this. I wish I knew this when I was at Chicago years ago. Do you know what is at 1523 West Ogden Avenue? I don't believe ever, I do. Did, did you ever watch Saturday Night Live in the olden days? I mean, it's the Billy Goat Tavern. Oh, really? No f- no fries. Cheeps. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It, it, you know, and it, the whole curse of the White Sox. I went there, <laughs> and I thought, I can't believe it. Oh, that's so funny. So, yeah, that's what Becky Klein was saying. Yeah, I've, I've never been to Chicago before. I'm hoping to go yeah. in April, but I, it's like, I know just the bare minimum about the city. Oh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. I loved it when I was there. So visiting. So, um, but I, I went there in spring. Everything had thawed. And Disney Quest was still there. That shows you how long ago I was there. So, That's the fun fact of go, the night. Go to Uno. I like Uno's Pizza. I've been there a few times, though, to Chicago. But, um, Anyway, yeah, so that was interesting. Oh, Becky Klein told a funny story about when she went to the, you know, the church that was St. Paul's Congregational Church, and she was rooting around. She wanted to find the cornerstone, and she said a young man came out asking if he could be of assistance, and and she uh, and she then explained to him who she was and and why she was there, and and told him the story of you know the disney family's connection and they had no idea so um so they were very excited to know that um elias disney had a connection to the church so anyway so one of the things that um walt went to um mckinley high school and yeah. he joined the school newspaper as a cartoonist and but he would sometimes sneak out of school to go to the Chicago Art Institute and look around and which makes sense because the house what you'll find is the um, Billy Goat Taverns within walking distance of the Chicago Art Institute so and um Walt also went to the uh, Chicago Academy of Fine Arts and he went there and he took children's classes in um arts in, in art children's art classes there and that's in the um Willoughby building now um and then um Walt bought a camera with a friend and he tried to make children's films and so this is his first start in filmmaking and he played Charlie Chaplin that's where he wore you know his father's um you know go, go to go to church you know preaching coat there and um but but the camera got repossessed so so that was the end of Walt's first film career uh, and then he got a job in the mailroom at the Chicago Federal Building. Now, he was doing work at Ozell's and doing his art lessons, and, and, and he was at the Chicago Federal Building. And he was also um, served as a gate man for the L train. And he would um, work at the 35th and L um, station. So, folks, if you're ever riding in Chicago, go to 35th and L station. You know, that's where Walt worked. So, now, folks might remember... You know, there was an, those of you who were really into history, there was an anarchist movement at the beginning of the 20th century. So their bombings were were not infrequent um, at that time. And and it was in Europe and as well as the United States. And on September 4th, um, um, 
you know, um, 1918, there was what's known in Chicago as the Black Hand Bombing. And uh, a mail bomb was sent to the federal building, and four people were killed. Well, Walt was working in the mailroom in the federal building. And Walt had just walked by there, and he had been delayed in... Um, in in his his normal routine and so if he had not been delayed um he would have and the bomb just missed him yeah but a friend of his a co-worker was killed in the bombing that's insane a person that, like sat at the desk next to him yeah. i mean really if, if walt had his timing had been off i mean everything we're enjoying right now you know uh, we wouldn't disney we wouldn't be here <laughs> yeah yeah so. so, of course, in 1918, as we know, Walt joined the Red Cross. He went to Camp Scott, which was a tent city for um, tr- where they trained the ambulance drivers. And this was at 61st um, in Cottage Grove Avenue near the University of Chicago. And then, of course, from November 1918 to 1919, Walt was in France and, you know, driving ambulances and when Walt returned, Elias had a job for him at Ozell's, but Walt went to Kansas City to start his career. And of course, as Becky Klein said, the rest is history, as, as we know. But that didn't end Walt's connection with Chicago. Uh, the Chicago Railroad Fair took place, you know, August, uh, you know, 18th and 19th, uh, I'm sorry, August um, 19th and 20th in 1948. And that was at the Museum of Science and Industry. So there, there's that connection back to the exposition. And this was the railroad fair that Walt went with Ward Kimball, because Walt needed to relax, you know, famously, the doctor said, you know, you need a vacation. And um, because Walt was starting to get stressed out, you know, he'd already had one nervous breakdown earlier in his career. Um, And he said, that guy, Ward Kimball, he always looks relaxed. So they both like trains, and then they went to this um, railroad fair. And um, there were some great photos I had never seen before of of Walton and Ward at the railroad fair. But one of the things that they did was this called Wheels of Roland Pageant. And they, for this fair, a huge... A platform had been constructed with, and they they put on railroad tracks, and then they loaded on all these vintage railroad locomotives and cars, and then it was like the dapper days of its time. People got dressed up in basically like Victorian costume, and then they could ride or drive the trains. And there's a photo of Walt and Ward dressed up participating in this wheels of rolling pageant and um anyway isn't that amazing i hope i see that one day (laughs) yeah yeah well anyway well yeah the the photos were great and this is all staged at the blackstone hotel that's um well i'm i should say they stayed at the blackstone hotel on michigan avenue and they won't really like this hotel um they 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 would uh they would stay at 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 this he would stay at this hotel um at other times um but in the evenings ward who you know he he played an instrument he liked he loved jazz he wanted to take walt to jazz clubs walt was not interested in clubbing um so instead they rode the l train and ward said walt 
relived his whole life, uh, uh, his whole boyhood in Chicago, just riding that train, that L train Walt told Ward all about his life growing up. And I thought, what an amazing experience that must have been. You know, to have Walt Disney oh, tell you yeah. his childhood in Chicago, and they got off at that station. You know yeah. that Walt worked and all that. That's that's the so. stories that you know. Not just anyone got that. That's that's a mm-hmm. one one in a million unique story that he would have had because of that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another another um, time that. Walt and Lillian went to Chicago. It was in 19, the summer of 1949. They stayed at the Palmer House Hotel um, after the filming of Treasure Island. And they would stay at that hotel um, some other times after their travels, especially after they traveled to Europe and all of that. And, and that was pretty much the end of Becky Klein's presentation. And uh, again, it was just filled with photos. And she's fascinating and very entertaining and and. Charming, you know. Anybody, you know, we've we've heard her at, like at the D twenty three events and stuff, and she's just terrific. And then, and then it was time, uh, you know, for, to hear all about the Walt Disney um, birthplace from um, Dina Benedin and Brett Young, and their little boy Truman was there too, who's also a delight. I think he's going to he, he's going to go into marketing or advertising or something because he was great. And of course, they uh, they purchased the house at what is now twenty one sixty six Trip Avenue, and they um, when they purchased the house, they they looked at the forensics. Because what they wanted to do was to see what in this house formed Roy and Walt Disney. So what they did was in 2013, um, when they found the house, they began researching at the Chicago History Museum. And they they spoke with someone there named Tim Samuelson. And he, he had worked at this history museum I mean, he like knew Chicago's history, you know, it was like memorized in his in his brain. And he found uh, they got a large banker's box from him that was all about the house. And and it was uh, included a photo of the house about five to 10 years after the Disney's had lived there. There were no photos of the house at the time the Disney's lived there, nor were there any photos of the interior at the time did the Disney's lived there. Um, what they discovered is the house had been raised um, due to flooding and sewer backups in that area sometime after um, the Disney's moved out of it. So, but they found deeds, surveys. Um, well, the other, the other interesting thing is they found out that Flora was a signer on everything. Now we're looking at you know the end of the eighteen hundreds, beginning of the nineteen hundreds. This was unusual for women to basically she was a partner in everything Elias did, and they th- and they thought that. Um, this may have helped plant the seeds in Walton Roy about family partnership and also about how they promoted women in the company at a time, you know, in the positions that women did not hold at any other studio. You know, what was this partnership, this, this equality that Elias and Flora seemed to have in their marriage and in their business dealings? 
So that was I thought that was very interesting. Um, now, of course, as we know, Elias Disney has a window on Main Street USA, and you know, and you all know from from your own reading out there, and also from listening to the Disneyland show and connecting with Walt, Elias had many careers in his life as he cared for his family. Well. It was. It's interesting that when we look at Elias's window on Main Street USA, he's listed as a contractor established in 1895. And I think that shows, you know, that, that does show what Walt and Roy thought of their father. They regarded him as a contractor when they looked back on his life. So, so that was interesting. Um, as I mentioned, they they did have reproductions of the Disney Family Plan um, from eighteen ninety three of the house um, to give out, and and they also Dean and Brent also talked about how they they lived out in the plains at the time. Um, that this area was for small; it was a small working class family home, uh, showing again that, that Walton Roy came from very humble beginnings. The interesting thing, though is that this was one of the first homes on the block to have indoor plumbing. That was very innovative at the time. So, um, And we all just take it for granted now. Oh, yeah, boy, do we. <laughs> so, um, oh, but, um, but, you know, and then I always like it when, when we look at something, we, we also look at what was going on in the world at the time that sort of put things into perspective. And that's what Brett and Dina did. So when we think about the time that Walt and Roy were living at Trip Avenue in Chicago, in 1902, the first T-Rex was discovered. So uh, the Wizard of Oz writer Frank Baum was born right near where the Disneys lived. And the first race cars were invented. So that was sort of going, that, that's sort of what was going on at the time. So this was definitely an age of sort of wonder yeah. and discovery and science. And that would have also formed um, Walt and Roy as well. And I think we see that in their career as they grew up. Um, electricity was installed in the Disney home. Again, this was an innovation you know, because that was the big thing. That's why the um, exposition at the time was called the White City, because all the buildings were lit up. Yeah, yeah. Well, then we've all we've all ridden uh, Carousel of Progress, so that's right. I know the importance of it. <laughs> that's right. What was interesting though is electricity was installed when electricity was installed. Because we all wonder, okay, how did they do that? Perhaps. Well, remember that the. Um, before that, homes were lit with gas. All they did was they, you know, after the gas was, you know, disconnected and, and capped off, I assume, the wires were run through the gas pipelines since they were already there. And they were already, and, and you know, and they were already connected to fixtures. You know what? So uh, that makes a ton of sense. And I never put that together before. Mm hmm. I remember when I started watching Downton Abbey, and they were talking about how uh, light was just installed in the house. So they hadn't installed it yet in, in in the servants' areas because you know what was the point of that? And um, but I thought, well, they certainly didn't tear out the walls to do this. And um, so then when they said that, I thought, okay, now that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I never never really even thought yeah. about it before, but. Hey, I learned something new. Yeah. Yeah. So now, so restoration of, of the house 
began on December 5th, 2013, of course, you know, anniversary of Walt's birth. Um, you know, they began design the design, too, of what the restored house would look like. So on December 5th, 2013, they began removing the aluminum siding that had been placed on the house. And they found that what was underneath was Elias's original clapboard and with his square nails. And they and they could also see where the original porch was, and so it basically, as Becky Klein said, you know, it was great that they put up this aluminum siding because we all would think, oh, you know, today how tacky, but because it preserved all this. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's uh, you watch enough uh, HGTV shows and stuff. That's that's one of the things that they always hope for when when people did uh, did update homes and such i mean same goes with carpet like anytime they ever tear up carpet they're looking for pristine hardwood floors under there so uh it's you know what what seems kind of uh what seems kind of like a cheap easy way at the time and potentially tacky can save a lot of history Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then what they did was they contacted um, the preservationists at the Art Institute to determine the original color of the house. Because, you know, layers of paint had been, you know, put on the house. And so they did that inside and out to determine what was the original, what were all the original colors so wow. they could do the proper restoration. So, so definitely another another you know type of forensics. That's awesome. You know, on the house, yeah. Now, the door, the original door was gone because at one point the house had been made into two apartments. So the upstairs window was off centered. The original staircase was gone. Um, the door was ch- front door was changed. There is one photo of of tiny Walt, little Walt, and and we've all seen it. Walt and Ruth are on the porch. Walt's holding Ruth's hand, and in the back of them is a part of the door with the address on the door. And so they, they, they restored this photo, they colorized it, gave it dimension, and then they contacted Garner Holt, who of course does the audio animatronic figures for the Disney parks and other parks, asked him if he would provide the door for the house. And they used this photo of Walton Ruth um, as, the, as the reference for it. And Garner Holt did it. So um, they okay. also, um, yeah, yeah and, and they removed the flooring and found a newspaper from the 1920s between the laminate and the original floor. And then the other interesting thing is Becky Klein had brought a box from the Walt Disney archives that Roy Disney had given to the archives. And what they found when they removed the laminate was a floor vault in the master bedroom and and Brent and Dina couldn't figure out what what would have been in here well it turned out it was this box Roy had presented to the archives that's what Elias and Flora kept in there and it was filled with birth certificates marriage certificates oh. birth uh, baptismal certificates and um and they had reproductions of it including uh, like Walt's baptismal certificate wow 
and all that That's was insane. in there. So, so, so Becky was able to tell them this is what was in that that vault. Isn't that crazy? So, um, it, they they found the water closet, and they said it was really a closet. I mean, it, it was you could barely fit in it. They had a center for. Um, I guess it was the Chicago Bulls, I think, who was there because he's a huge Disney fan, has a big Disney um, collection, and <laughs> they have a photo of him near this water closet. There is no way that poor man could have gotten in there. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, so they, they discovered um, the original molding, molding, though, with the bullseye rosette in the water closet, so they're able to use this to reproduce the original molding for the whole house. So, um, and then, uh, and the same, um, this same, though, this is interesting, this same rose bullseye rosette, though, appears, the pattern appears at Disneyland and in Walt's apartment as well. So Walt had, Walt had this design reproduced when he built the park, apparently. So, so the original stairway was gone because I mentioned, you know, it had been the house had been subdivided, so the stairway had been moved and stuff. And so, what they did was they went to the houses I mentioned that were half a block away and looked at those stairwells. And this is when they started realizing that the the, the home that Elias and Flora built was clearly a showpiece for some of these other homes because all these other homes had components of what was in the Trip Avenue home but the uh, Trip Avenue home had everything gotcha. in it but there was this stairwell and the staircase and they they just flat out asked the owners can we buy this can we swap because it was it would fit into the Trip Avenue house and they well they realized what they had here the, and they they did not want to because of the history. They did not want to um, give up the staircase, you know, uh, the, of a house that was built by Elias and Flora Disney. So um, they were allowed to go in and take photographs and measurements of the staircase, and then reproduced it um, in in the Trip Avenue home. So um, anyway, so so anyway, so I thought that was interesting. So what they're what they what the plans are is they want the house to they want to honor um, what the house represents by um, nurturing creative thought in children and they're partnering with the center for um, early childhood to put on programs right now and they they base and, and what ultimately their goal is to they want to turn it into an experience that transports guests to the era of Walt and Roy. And 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 there's information at Walt Disney, um, the, the the Walt Disney Birthplace dot org. Although it doesn't look like it's been updated in a while, so they, that that needs a little attention there. So oh oh, one of the things that they had there was that when they were restoring plaster in a bathroom, um, or in a back room, I should say, they found a horseshoe embedded in the wall that had been hung by Elias. So that was there. And I have photos of some of this that, that I'll share on, on my social media. And so they had that there. But yeah, this was hung there for good luck. Hmm. Um, 
pile of ice. So they are going to return it to the house, but they didn't want it in there when they had contractors and, and you know, builders going in and out. That makes sense. And all that. So, yeah. So, but, uh, so basically what happened is that there, there was a Q&A session and folks asked, how, how did you find out about the house and all that? And they yeah and why did you why did you purchase it and they said they purchased the house to preserve it that was their whole reason for it and they met becky when they were working on a project that they were doing for a museum in new york and they had until the museum was ready to open they had this empty space that was going to house the museum so they decided they wanted an a disney attraction to fill the space until the museum opened and so they contacted becky klein to see hey would the archives be interested in putting on a, a temporary display in this space and then that's how they got to talking and that's how the the disney um company has helped support the restoration the archives has you know helped support their efforts. The Walt Disney Family Foundation has had a photo of Walt Disney's granddaughter Joanna Miller holding one of the square nails, you know, that Elias Disney used um, to construct the home. So, um, anyway, now the other interesting thing is remember, it was in the news last year how Uncle Robert's home had been purchased and was scheduled for demolition by the owner? Yeah, just slightly. Yeah, and and there was a, and people were horrified because it was going to be they were going to build apartment apartment buildings on it, and so Brent Young and Dina Benedin they spearheaded the drive to save Uncle Robert's house from demolition. So not only have they preserved the Walt Walt Disney's birthplace, they've preserved Uncle Robert's house. So you know where Walt started up his first studio and in california and the cool thing is uh joanna miller has since purchased the home so so the home is back in the disney family hands excellent yeah that that is uh that is really cool and so so it is safe right now so and now that, that was pretty much the end of the presentation then frequently there is an autograph session and uh, and so you know when we're all, attendees are allowed one you know one item to for each person to autograph. So I had um, Dina and Brent autograph one of the um, Walt Disney you know birthplace um, plan reproductions that they had there, and their son Truman autographed a little post-it note and put it on there for me as well. And uh, and then but as you know we've talked about this on the show you know a while back. Um, Stephen Clark, who had been um, the head of uh, D23 when it started, and Rebecca Klein, wrote a book called The Walt Disney Studios, A Lot to Remember. And infamously, the book was released and then immediately pulled, uh, recalled. And a few people that had pre-ordered it on Amazon, uh, their orders were fulfilled, but a lot of people who pre-ordered it, even their orders were canceled. I was one of the lucky people that got the book. And there is tons of speculation about why was this book pulled. And and in the Disney fan community, people think it's because there's a, one photo of C.V. Wood in there who, um, you know, he and Walt had a falling out. 
you know, Bob Gers infamously said that, um, you know, C.V. Wood was one of the most crooked people he had ever met. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyway, and, and someday we'll do an episode on C.V. Wood. But, you know, I think that I think that the. I think the company has gotten over this part of their history. Roy E. Disney had reached out to the Wood family, and you know Wood is talked about more, you know, in in Disney history. Yeah. So yeah. I never really felt that was the reason for it, but I so I but I brought my book for Becky to autograph, and I said, I bet every owner of this book you've met has asked you, why was this book pulled? from publication and she smiled very sweetly and she was she was every inch a lady when she responded to me and very much a professional and said we're not really allowed to talk about it <laughs> she said so i can't tell you but there were there was there was a reason that we couldn't allow it to be out there the way it was she said, but the good news is we're re-releasing it in uh, September, I believe, and we and th- and the the um and the, and the final chapter. She said, I've expanded on it, so it's it, so she said you have a real collector's item, so really hang on to that book. And I said, so does this mean when I order? The, the next edition, and I go through this page by page. I'm going to be able to figure out what the reason why it was pulled was different. She said, "Nope, no one will ever be able to figure it out." Huh. But you know the interesting thing about this book, Craig, it, it's it's the history of the Walt Disney Studio, and it goes through from the very beginning, its earliest days. You know, and it goes through, and it it it, it and it covers everything. It covers the strike. And it covers its successes, and it covers its challenges. It it covers the passing of Walt and Roy, and it covers um, Michael Eisner, and it covers Roy E. Disney, and then it ends. Uh, and you know what? Someone's left out of this book. I and I think. Yep, you're right. <laughs> And I think that that's someone who's left out of this book, who's very important in the history of the Walt Disney Studios, um, is going to be in the next version of this book. I would say you're absolutely right, and that makes total sense. And as you started naming every single person and the events going through there, it, it that clicked instantly with me. It's yeah. like, I bet you're not going to name the most recent person who's had an impact on on the studios. And, uh, yeah. So. So, so, so that's my theory. And, and that is a theory that is shared I, I, <laughs> by I, others I, I, I've chatted with who, who also have a love of Disney history. I don't but own I'm the book. Not going to in, I am not going to incriminate them, so oh, I'm not no, going no. to yeah. bring it up. Oh, listen. <laughs> I'm, not gonna bring their, I'm not going to drag their names down in this. I, I don't own the book, but I would say without a doubt that you are 100% right on it. And, it's, it, and if that is the case, that uh, good old Bobby was omitted, mm-hmm. I... 
I think it does deserve to be uh, before the official releases. And I think it, it is right for him to be included. Oh, and absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, I. It, it's that's one of those things. I could understand how that was something that that was definitely just kind of glanced over because his story isn't over yet. So mm-hmm. it's why why finish why write a story that's only half finished, but at the same time too, it's a very important story. <laughs> so. It is. It is. So, and I thought it—I I thought it was odd when I first read the book. Yeah, that huh, it stops with Roy E. Disney, and that did did it do that because you know he was the last of the Disney family, and they thought this is a this was a place to end it. But then I thought, but you have Michael Eisner in here, and you have a few others yeah. mentioned, but it I, it didn't click with me at the time. That maybe this is why it was pulled, but as I've mulled it over and then chatting with others, uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I think that's it. Yeah, but we shall see. I'm excited <laughs> for it. So yeah, like, so 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 uh, connecting with Walt family. Let me know if you think um, I'm on the right track here or not, or is it that CV Wood photo, <laughs> or is it something else? You never know. <laughs> Well, it is that time again for this week in Disney history. We're looking at the week of February 10th, and this week was filled with nothing, it seemed, but um, things about the Olympics and Academy Award nominations. Excellent. uh, It was quite... So I really had to sort through to find a whole lot of different things here. So... Craig, are you ready for our alternate version this week? Yes, sir, I am. Let's do it. Okay. All right. February 10th, on February 10th, 2008, composer Michael Giacchino is awarded Best Score Soundtrack Album at the 50th Annual Grammy Awards for which Disney film? 2008 would have been... Oh... That would have been Ratatouille. You're very good. I don't. I don't keep all these more recent film dates in my head. I well, it's so. not even that. Well, it's Michael Giacchino because then Wally was after that, and that was Thomas Newman, mm-hmm. which I also love that score. And mm-hmm. you know, Cars before that, Cars. Yeah, I think Cars was the one right before Ratatouille, and that was, of course, Randy Newman. So, right, um, just deduction, but yeah, that's the game. They're very good. <laughs> that is okay. All right, February eleventh. Why did Disney stock prices jump nearly fifteen percent on February eleventh, two thousand and four? Hmm. I not quite positive I did they does it have to do with a announcement about like buying Pixar or something back then or Marvel Mm, there was an announcement but it was not on behalf it was not the Walt Disney Company announcing a purchase I don't believe I know I, I don't have any idea then 
I, I remember um, I remember our flagship show, the Walt Disney um, World Show, talking about this. Um, Comcast announced its hostile bid to take over the Walt Disney Company. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I remember that, too. Well, what could have this happened? Is, this is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, um, my gosh. Anyway. I mean, we talk about Walt not making it through the... Uh, through the letter bomb, I mean, talk about if Comcast would have took over Disney, where we'd be today. Yeah, I know. Louise. <laughs> uh, February 12th. On February 12th, 1988, Siegfried and Roy, uh, Google them kids, appear <laughs> on the TV special, Disney's Magic in the Magic Kingdom. What astonishing feat of magic do they perform at Disneyland? I watched this show. I remember this. Uh, no, I, I can't even begin to guess. So, I mean, I know who Siegfried and Roy are, obviously. Uh, it's, I love those tigers. Um, mm-hmm. But I... Oh, the one of them didn't love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I'm terrible. sorry. That's a little yeah. black humor there. I, I think enough time has passed that we can now laugh <laughs> about how insane it was for two magician showmen to to think that a tiger that they kept in captivity and raised and loved would eventually never turn against them. But all that aside, I, I don't know this one. I didn't know this special existed, and I can tell you what I'm going to be doing as soon as we wrap up this recording. I know, I know. It's funny because I associate these kinds of tricks more with David Copperfield. These, you know, when he was on television yeah. with his specials, but the illusionists make Sleeping Beauty Castle disappear. Oh, you mean kind of like Disneyland did currently with Sleeping Beauty Castle? <laughs> yeah, until the wind blew the parts <laughs> up. But um, yeah, because you know David Copperfield's made elephants and planes and all kinds of stuff. I think he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. He's done all kinds of stuff. But I'm um, yeah. Siegfried and Roy. Did okay. that back well, in 1988 with Sleeping Beauty Castle. Do you remember this? Like, do you remember it vividly? Yeah. Oh, I I remember it in that. I think they they what did they do? I think they raised something up. You know, almost like a scrim or something. Yeah. Oh, it, well, of course it was there. There was pageantry involved in this. Yeah. And then they um, and then they you know this was the crowning. You know, illusion, and then they, um, and then it, it drops, I believe, and and the castle's gone, and I believe it was done in the dark, and most of these illusions are always done in the dark. Well, where the heck did it go? Giant structures disappear. I don't know, but it came back. They found it at some point, I guess. Yeah, it didn't just get up and. Okay, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to talk well, anymore you, about it. I'm going to watch you, it. You know. You know what Pete Werner would say. He says, "Well, it's so small. They just you, you wouldn't know, see it anyway." It up. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, February thirteenth. United States Olympic figure skater Michael Weiss wins the men's national title at the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. Skating to music from what or which Disney film? I uh, Believe it or not, uh, figure skating is the one Winter Olympic uh, competition that I don't watch at all oh carol this is her favorite yeah i just it's i i love the winter olympics i i like the winter olympics more than the summer olympics i can't watch skating 
it's just it's too oh. boring to me. So I mean, obviously, when they they fall at a very crucial time and there's crying, that that's great. But it's when everything's running well, it just it it just doesn't connect with me. So I I I couldn't even guess. Yeah. I, oh, it's Mulan. I for, I neglected oh. to put in the year, but it's Mulan. You might have guessed it from the year. Although sometimes no. they wait a few years for these. Yeah. But oh, and and of course we're recording this on the Lunar New Year. Yes. So. Happy Happy New Year to all of our friends who are celebrating. Yeah. So it's the year of the pig. Yeah, I mean, big so. shout out to Holly. You might remember her from our uh, Shanghai Halloween episode. Oh, yeah. Well, because she's currently living in Shanghai, so I know she's yeah. off celebrating right now. So, oh, so uh, she, do you think she's having like pork fried rice? I have no idea. I know she was just recently <laughs> in Vietnam, so I have. <laughs> oh, that's right. I thought she was still. I thought they were leaving for Vietnam. I didn't know. Yeah, she's I all over the sure place. She back. It's, uh, yeah, she lives an amazing life. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to dig up my um, photos because I, I took. They had a, a. They have a garden that is, uh, and it has all of the. Um, lunar um calendar symbols um but they're all disney characters and i took photos of all of them <laughs> to find them yeah, but anyway fun. what year what what in the lunar in the lunar calendar what year were you born in i'm year of the monkey um i used to know this information i mean obviously from any chinese restaurant you go to ever <laughs> yes on the placemat it's always there. Uh, it's the same one with the red print. Yeah, I, I, oh. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not obviously. We're not on a question right now, so I'm not cheating. <laughs> I just, I don't. Rem- <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've actually eaten inside a Chinese restaurant. Well, that didn't no, they don't have those placemats oh. over at Epcot. <laughs> they, I think they do, but even then, it's been a while since I've eaten there. I'm the year of the rabbit. Oh, okay. Right, so it's a little thumper. Mine's yeah. always a boo. <laughs> so anyway, okay. All right. Okay, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, United States figure skater. I'm dragging in figure skating again. Thank you. Donna Atwood. She's known for winning two medals at the 1941 U.S. Figure Skating Championships and for her performances with the Ice Capades. Is born in Newton, Kansas on February 14th, 1923. What is her Disney connection? No idea. I I genuinely don't know this. And And I actually gave you a hint in the previous question. She was the ice skating model for Thumper in Disney's oh. Bambi. <laughs> I, you're going to think wrong of me here, but as soon as you said that, I was like, she was the voice of Abu? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, well, you know, you were close. You were close. Oh. <laughs> um. Okay, February 15th. Which beloved member of the Disney family was born on February 15th, 1899? Um... Well... Well, I know it's not Walt, obviously. And... Mm -hmm. Rory's a little bit older than that, I thought. I 
I'm not sure. It was Lillian Marie Bounds, the wife of Walt Disney. She was Hmm. born in Spalding, Ohio. And she was very self-conscious of the fact that she was older than Walt by a couple of years. So she never... um, told people how old she was although i think in that in those times uh it was not uncommon for women to you know not reveal her age their age so see that was tricky i wasn't thinking disney by marriage i was thinking disney by birth but technically you only said disney family so that was my fault Mm -hmm. for assuming all right. Okay, and finally, February 16th, um, we go from the happy times to a sad time. Which member of the Disney family passed away on February 16th, 1993? Um, I feel like this could be a complete guess. I feel like we did another episode where we said when... Diane passed away. So I'm going to guess Sharon. It was Sharon. Sharon Disney Lund. She was the second daughter of, of Walt and Lillian. Um, yeah, she passed away from complications from cancer when she was 56. She was the fa- family member that was active yeah. at the Disney company. She'd been uh, a director of the Walt Disney Company since 1984. She was an officer of Retlaw Enterprises which was a successor to the corporation her, that you know, Walt had organized in 1952. And the California Institute of the Arts will later rename its School of Dance, the Sharon Disney Lund School of Dance, after uh, the Sharon D. Lund Foundation uh, gives them a gift of $11 million. Mm. Yeah, so the, the whole family is very philanthropic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope uh, and folks enjoyed listening to, uh, you know, my sharing one of the events at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I know I got quite a few new things out of that presentation. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it, thanks for taking all those notes and, and sharing it with all of us because you, you don't have to do that. You can just go and sit there and enjoy it if you want to, but... But we're the ones who are lucky enough because uh, you you are so good at note taking, and then happy to also share this information with us too. So it's 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 about as great of an advertisement for the Walt Disney Family Museum <laughs> as you could expect. Really, and and a lot of times if I don't talk about an event, the information that I get from there makes its way into episodes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, uh, but, uh, and you know, there's, there's a lot more events at the Fantasy Family Museum. I have a feeling I'll be talking about uh, just some things that are coming up. You know, the, there's going to be a talk on the hand behind the mouse stories of Ub with Don and Leslie Iwerks. Um, love letter to Walt's legacy with director, Kevin Lima. I'm voicing an icon. Mickey talks with Brent, Iwin. It'd be interesting to see if it's any different from the Destination D event yeah. that we were both at recently. Yeah. And then the and the one I'm really looking forward to, the Beauty and Legacy of Fantasia. So yeah. So, so and so um, Craig, you know, Saint Valentine's Day is coming up. So are you, I'm assuming Kylie 
is not going to be listening to the show before then, if at all. So are you planning any surprises for no. Valentine's Day? No, we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think I've shared it on this show before somewhere else. It's Every single time we try to plan something for Valentine's Day, it just goes completely wrong. And uh, <laughs> we end up just not having any fun or eating at a place we eat at just any other day of the week you know it's just every it's not a day for us so you know we'll we'll still do something small maybe we'll go to disney or something but uh not no big plans mm-hmm. yeah i i haven't quite figured it out yet because you know we're in a unique situation with carol still yeah. in um, long-term care and i i mean i'm sure i will bring a meal over you know, to her, some special yeah. meal, and then and flowers and um, a, a little gift of some sort. But um, you know, right now there's not a lot she needs. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Except except prayers. Just keep sending the prayers and pixie dust, and um, yeah, that's about it. But I'm sure it'll be a very sweet day. So we want to wish everyone a, a, a very sweet Valentine's Day. We hope you you spend it with um, so, someone that. Someone special, yeah. Whether whether it's a special someone or your your pet cat, you know, whoever 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 brings you happiness, yeah. we hope you spend that time with them. Agree. So, 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 Craig. Until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me uh, when. So wow, I went out of order on that one. Tuesdays on the Walt <laughs> Disney World Edition podcast. Wednesdays on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, um, Thursdays on the Universal Edition podcast, and then always on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at MBowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter on the Connecting with Walt Twitter page at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. 